0: or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Today's stories come to us out of the arid wastelands of the desert. Not many things can survive out there in the flat heat, but the things that do thirst for life and connection. First, I'll tell the story of a terrible monster harassing a young girl. Next, we'll take a bus ride into Mexico and notice some strange things along the way. After that, we'll learn of a famous palace in Egypt which houses souls of the dead. And finally, we'll sneak out to a well in Yemen and encounter a mysterious woman. We receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? The Thing. The monsters in our dreams and in our lives come in all shapes and sizes. The creature under our bed. The shadow beyond the reach of the street light No matter what we call them, all of them are. The Thing. Based on a story shared to us by Ella. The Thing started coming for us when I was young. Some of my earliest memories were of its widening grin and long arms hovering over my mom. It fed off her pain night after night. Over time, the towering thing started feeding off my pain, too, its hot, foul breath barking at me as it pushed me aside if I tried to help my mother. The thing that haunted the halls of our home had to be defeated, hiding under blankets, hoping the shadow of the thing would just pass through and leave us alone. My mother and I made a promise to one another. We would end things once and for all. The next day, we packed our belongings while the thing slept under our bed. We tried not making a sound as we crept around but the keys to the car were by its claws. My mother tiptoed closer and closer to the keys and reached out, but her hand nudged one of its disgusting talons. The thing opened one of its red bloodshot eyes and woke up in a frenzy, angered and swiping at us. It growled and we ran. We were almost in the clear when my mother fell on the steps of our home and the thing dragged her by her feet back through the doorway. Adrenaline-filled terror filled me as her words echoed through my head. Keep going, find somewhere safe. There was no helping the sound of my feet smashing through leaves in the dark forest. Fear filled every falling step, and no matter how fast I ran, it always knew where I'd run to. You can't hide from me forever. The thing called after me. Catching my breath, the sound of my heart pounded against my chest and I sat down beneath tall shrubbery. Any sound made me think the thing was near. The whipping of the leaves behind me grew louder and louder as the thing drew closer. Grabbing a branch on the ground next to me, I threw it as far as I could so it would lose track of me. It ripped through the air and landed with a strong thunk. The sound of the thing then whipped past me in the other direction. Swiftly, I climbed a tree. My nails dug into the rough bark, slicing my fingers open, ripping my sleeves as I climbed, holding back tears from the pain. The thing wanted my pain. it could sense it, and I refused to give it the satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Gritting my teeth, I hoisted myself into a higher branch to hide. The thing always knew I'd go back to my mother. We've tried to run away before, but no matter where we went, it would always find us. No matter how dark it got, it could see us. Shuddering, I prayed that we would no longer fall prey to its hunger. This would be the last time. We wouldn't act alone like all the times before. And I waited for what felt like an eternity until I saw lights in the distance. The thing was climbing up the tree and its claw grazed my hair. It almost had me, but suddenly a force pulled it back down. The thing shouted at me from the darkness below as it was dragged away. You'll pay for this. You'll never escape me. My mother was on the steps, reaching out for me, half her face hidden by her hair. There was bruising around her eye, and her lip was bloody. Two shadowy figures emerged and stepped into the light. You did the right thing calling us. You won't hurt you anymore. Behind them, we could see the thing shrinking and pleading, begging to not be taken away from its family. It was too late. Turning back to me, my mother said, finally, Daddy is going to jail.
0: or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I
1: Long desert drives may seem barren, but some can contain their own little adventures. Like in this story, inspired by Odd Girl 28. This sketch would be the best one yet, even if it was just another cactus. Turning the page in my sketchbook, I looked out of the window of the shuttle bus as the desert rolled out around us. My family and I were heading down to Mexico for my cousin's wedding. It was a pretty big event, we were all excited. Mi abuelita, who sat next to me, just finished making me a necklace for it. A short silver chain, interwoven with turquoise and a bright amethyst as a centerpiece. I hugged her and put it on, I couldn't wait to show it to all my cousins rocks, cactus, mountain, not much different scenery to sketch. I peered out into the landscape, searching for something new. That's when I saw her. It was a young girl in a white dress, long brown hair covering her face, staring at the bus. I felt her eyes lock, her hand shot up, pointing at us. Then we drove farther. She was gone. Where were her parents, I wondered hopefully nearby. I began to sketch her. Yawning, I leaned up against my abuelita. Necesitas dormir, mija? She asked, patting my head. Yeah, sleep was what I needed. Nodding, I closed my eyes and quickly fell asleep. When I awoke, it was night, and I was alone in my seat. On one side of the bus was a flickering lamp post. We were stopped at a rest stop with a crowd of people lining up for the bathroom on the other side. I sighed, sat back down. Hearing someone walk up the aisle, I leaned out to ask them what time it was, but my heart stopped. It was the girl from the side of the road. She haltingly walked up the aisle towards me. The interior lights of the bus flickered overhead. I couldn't move, couldn't speak. My breath felt trapped in my throat. She moved closer, pointing at me. I was choking as she reached out, grabbing my neck. Finally, I screamed right into my abuelita's ear. Everyone turned around to look at me. It it was daytime, and the girl was gone. Oh, thank goodness. It was just a dream. Mal sueño, asked abuelita as she put her arm around me. I shivered next to her, thinking back on the bad dream. Looking down, I saw the sketch I'd drawn of the girl by the road. It had all felt so real. I didn't want to draw anymore. I started to put my sketchbook away, but first showed me Abelita my sketches. She always liked when I did that, but she paused and frowned deeply at the sketch of the girl. Eventually, day came tonight and we were almost to Mexico. The driver announced over the loudspeaker that we would stop up ahead for a bathroom break. We stopped, everyone filed out of the vehicle. I looked out my window and noticed a flickering lamp post. Looking out the other window, I saw the same bathroom from my dream. I grabbed Mia arm as she got up. I asked her, please, stay with me. Gladomia, and she sat with me. Relieved, I turned to look toward the lamppost, and there, she was there. The girl from the side of the road, pointing up at me. Abuelita grabbed my arm. I could tell she saw it, too. The girl from my sketch. She stared silently at the girl and then suddenly stood up. Vamos hablar con ella, and she got me out of my seat. She wanted to talk to it. Stammering, I told her about my dream, where the girl had gone from my throat. My abuelita listened and then hushed me with a hug. She nudged me along the aisle out of the bus and towards the lamppost and the girl. She stayed, pointing towards me. I stood shaking, but my abuelita stood defiant. ¿Qué quieres? abuelita firmly asked. The girl just stood there, silent pointing. Abuelita stepped forward, looking at the girl's finger and then looking back at me, looking at my neck. Eyes widening, she nodded. Stepping back to me, she put a hand on the front of my neck, where my necklace sat. Daselo a ella, she said, and she pushed me forward. I shuddered. Did it only want the necklace? I unclasped the jewelry and handed it to the girl. I ran back to the arms of my abuelita as the girl put it on. Then the posts began to flicker on, off, and in between the flickers, she was gone. We made our way back inside the bus, and soon we were back on the road. My abuelita worked on something in her bag, and I asked her how, how had she made the girl go away? Algunos espíritus solo quieren tesoros. She sagely nodded back. I clutched the empty area of my neck. Some spirits just want treasures. She just wanted my beautiful necklace, but still, what would have happened if I never gave it to her? How long would she have followed me? We entered Mexico, but there was still a ways to go. I rubbed my neck. I missed my necklace. Just then, Abuelita took her hands out of the bag to reveal another necklace that she was making for me. This one was silver with a round black onyx in the center. But I hesitated looking at it. Did I want a visit from another spirit? Abulita laughed and said, Es para ti y es protección. I smiled at her. The spirit could have the turquoise amethyst, but the black onyx would be mine. It was beautiful and would be protection for me. She smiled back, kissing the top of my head as we neared our destination. Thank you, Odd Girl 28. I would have never thought that that spirit would be going for the necklace. I mean, it was a necklace made out of love. And then turquoise and amethyst are extremely powerful uh, stones to have. All I can think of is how wise Odd Girl 28 Sabolita was. I don't know if I would have been able to be that wise or to go along with that wisdom. I do know that sometimes I notice strange things on long drives. Have you? Like something just outside, in the corner of your eye, as it's passing by. In this next story, inspired by Ali, we visit a famous palace in Cairo, where you can sometimes hear voices floating through the walls. Belgian engineer Edouard Umpan lived in a wondrous palace in Cairo with his sister Elise. Edouard was a world traveler and had built the palace based on his favorite locales, like India and Cambodia. His sister Elise enjoyed every part of the palace, but especially the tower with a spectacular revolving staircase. Its design allowed it to catch sunbeams in all directions. Elise would catch the early morning rays to start each day. She tended to her projects in philanthropy while her brother busied himself with his duties in lower parts of the palace. It was idyllic. However, one particular morning, Elise was stopped during her routine by the cries of a child. It sounded like it was coming from within the tower. The cries of a lost boy looking for his mother. So each time she entered the tower, she would hear the cries. They would gain in intensity and would only stop once she had reached the top of the tower. Thinking that it was one of the servant's children having fun with her, Elise became frustrated and confronted Edouard about the issue. But he had heard no cries. And none of the servants had children in the palace. But yet, she still heard the cries. The wailing started to drive poor Elise insane. Once restricted to just in the tower, she would begin hearing the cries at night, no matter where she was in the palace. Elise would forget to come to dinner and instead search the walls, trying to find the lost boy. The only relief she got was when she was near the top of the tower. So Elise began sleeping there. Edouard feared for his sister's sanity. One night, when Elise was sleeping near the top of the tower staircase, the cries returned even there, but this time they sounded so close, like the boy was up there with her. Elise scrambled out of bed and searched the tower, and there he was, a poor little lost boy, shimmering in the pale moonlight, sitting on the edge of the balcony. He shifted, reaching out to her as he began falling backward. Elise screamed and sprinted towards the boy, grabbing for him. She encountered nothing but air, as her hands passed through him and her forward momentum tumbled her over the edge. Ah! Edward took Elise's death very hard, and he spent many nights alone at the top of the tower, weeping. Eventually Edward returned to his engineering projects within the palace, but when he did, he swore at night he could hear the crying of a child within the walls. Edward started to take apart pieces of the palace, demolishing walls left and right, searching for the crying boy. He was proud of this palace he had built, and he would not leave it. He would find that boy. Soon, Edward took to sleeping near the top of the tower's revolving staircase, just like Elise. It was the only time the cries would cease. And one night, he awoke to the boy's cries, but this time, they were of laughter And along with them was the laughter of his dear sister, Elise. Springing from his makeshift bed, he saw Elise laughing with the boy, sitting on the edge of the balcony. Rushing forward, tears in his eyes, Edouard reached for them both. The next day, his body was found in the same place where his sister had also fallen to her death. These days, the Baron Oompan Palace is open to the public for visitors to Cairo. You can walk the halls during the day and see the fantastic architecture, but the tours are closed well before night approaches because they say that is when the cries will start. And if you look up at the balcony of the most elaborate tower, the two siblings will be there beckoning you. Thank you, Ali, for this story. And actually, this palace is a real place. I'm wondering, when you visited it, if you felt the spirits of Elise and Edouard. And since this is a real-life place, I wonder, listener, if you would visit it. I don't know what I would do if I heard a lost loved one crying in my home. Homes are so precious to us. I understand why Edouard would not leave. Yemen is no stranger to tales of the jinn. In this next story, inspired by Ferris, we hear about a deadly encounter at a mysterious wishing well. Ferris was well aware of the jinn by the time she was 13. She heard about it constantly from her grandma, tales of dangerous creatures that resided around Yemen. Grandma didn't coddle Ferris and her younger brother, Tavi but she did keep them well informed. That being said, Ferris and Tavi never really believed grandma's stories. Ferris and Tavi were just finished with their midday prayer. Ferris urged her brother to go home, as she knew grandma would be furious if they were out for too long. But Tavi wanted to investigate a so-called magical well nearby. Some local kids claimed to have found it in an abandoned lot, and apparently it could grant you wishes. Ferris begrudgingly followed her brother. Tavi promised that after they saw the well, they would head straight home. Entering the abandoned lot, sure enough, the remnants of a demolished old house still remained. And in the center stood the well. Tavi strolled up and peered down into the well. Thinking long and hard about what he would wish for, Ferris rolled her eyes, told him to hurry up. If they waited any longer, Grandma would give them another lecture on the djinn. Tavi sighed and stared down into the water. I wish we could actually see one of these djinns that Grandma keeps making up. Ferris tugged her brother away from the hole. Why would you say that? And then she heard something. It sounded like the hooves of a horse clopping across the sand. Ferris and Tavi spun around as a woman rounded the corner. She was wearing an abaya, all in black, cloth around her, dark as night. She kept a veil up around her face. Ferris and Tavi pinched their noses at the mysterious woman. She smelled awful. What are you doing here? Trespassing on an old home? She scolded. Ferris and Tavi looked down in shame. The woman continued to chide them for messing around with an old well. But while Ferris kept her head low, she noticed something strange. The woman didn't have feet. Flutters of her abaya revealed two hooves instead. Ferris tugged on Tavi's sleeve and pointed to her feet. Tavi saw it too. The woman finished her scolding and asked where they lived. She planned to take them home immediately. Ferris took a step back. She told the woman they'd find their own way home. The woman became frustrated pounded her hooves into the sand. She wanted to know where they lived now. Ferris and Tavi knew this woman was dangerous. They had to get out somehow. Ferris pointed back to the well. We think we saw someone fall in there. The woman's eyes grew wide and she rushed past them, staring into the well. Ferris and Tavi could now see the back of this woman. It was malformed and sharp. Her hooves kicked in excitement as she searched the well. Tavi looked at her in horror. This was no woman. This was a djinn. Ferris and Tavi took each other's hands and sprinted out a lot. The djinn heard them running and chased after them. Ferris and Tavi's feet pumped the pavement, running past empty streets. They heard the furious clopping of the djinn behind them. Tavi looked back, gasping at what he saw. The abaya was now torn, and the djinn was chasing them on all fours, veil torn open, face decayed with flat teeth. Tavi yelled as it stood up on its two feet and shot its arm out. The jinn, now smiling, green wisps were floating from its hoof towards Tavi. Ferris reached for a rock and chucked it at the gin's head. The rock collided with its face and the green wisps disappeared. Ferris grabbed her little brother and ran ran and ran. She didn't look back to see if the jinn was following her. Ferris could feel Tavi as he started to breathe. Taking deep breaths, he seemed dizzy but alive. They finally returned home to their grandma's house. Limping with exhaustion, they tumbled into the door. Grandma could tell just by the look on their face what had happened. Jin, she muttered to both of them. Tavi shook his head. You were right all along. Grandma set the two of them down and brought them some tea. She explained to them what they had encountered. A special type of Jin called the midday mule. It hunts for children during the middle of the day. She asked how the jinn had found them. Ferris and Tavi looked at each other and then admitted that they had gone to the well and were found near the abandoned lot. Grandma warned them about trespassing on abandoned property. The djinn could be found there, and once again, to beware of the djinn. Ferris and Tavi nodded in agreement. They used to imagine Jen as fairy tales her grandma ranted about, but they were real. They both agreed to be more respectful of grandma's superstitions, as there is a bit of truth in what some might think were the most outlandish of warnings. Well, wow, thank you, Ferris, for sharing your story with us. You know, because that's something that we're taught that monsters don't come after you during the day. But yet There's the midday mule. We're so worried about vampires or werewolves that change at night, but what about the monsters that would walk around during the day? And thank you for telling us about the djinn. All too often, we think of genies and how wonderful it would be to have a wish granted, but there's a dark side to everything, as you told us in this story. This week's podcast stories were edited by Marquia McCarty, Adam Sinker, and Sapphire Sandalo. Audio edited by Johnny Ashley and Fitz Harris. Produced by Annalise Nielsen. Music by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet
0: dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now,